0: Please turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, and I'm reading verse 30, or rather verse 29. And Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Well, friends, uh, we are looking uh, this evening at this encounter of the scribe uh, with uh, the Lord and the question that he posed uh, to, uh, to Christ, which is the first commandment of all? And uh, the Lord's answer was that we should love God, love God above everything else. This is God's first requirement from each one of us. My title is, funnily enough you may say, Discovering God's Love. Why are you talking about, why is your title Discovering God's Love, you may ask? Shouldn't it be a loving God or something along those lines? Well, friends, the answer is because We can only really begin to love God when we realize how much he loves us. We can only have love for God when it dawns upon us how good he he has been to us, how kind he has been to us, how gently he has treated us in spite of the way that we have treated him. Love begets love, isn't it? And when we realize how much God loves us only then can we really begin to love the Lord. So we'll look at this. But firstly, uh, look at this man, this scribe. He came, uh, came to the Lord with this question, which is the first commandment of all. He was a scribe, a Pharisee. It seems like this question was not something that originated with himself, it seems like it was a question that was put into his mouth. It seems like he is the mouthpiece for all the other uh, Pharisees and the scribes. It seems because he was articulate somewhat and he was in, intelligent in some that he is, he is pushed to the, to the front and say, with this question. Because even though on the surface of it it looks like he is asking in an honest way, Mark's Gospel tells us that he actually came tempting Jesus or testing Jesus. So on the surface of it, it looks like he's testing Jesus, but actually we, when you look at the way he responded to Christ and the way that he even said, Lord, you've spoken the truth. Well, the Pharisees and scribes didn't speak of Christ in that way. And the very answer he gave in verse 30, 34, that to love God, he seems to have got it. He seems to have got what the heart of the message is, the heart of of the commandment, the the purpose of life is to love God. He seems to have got it. Look at his answer uh, in verse 34. He said, yes, Lord, you said what is right. To love God with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. The sacrifices that they had in the Jewish times. Yes, they were important, but not with, uh, without, with the absence of love for God, they were nothing. They're nothing. This is what he's got at. He's understood it, that the greatest commandment is one must have an affection for a God. So though he's coming outwardly with this question, it seems like he really is somewhat open to Christ, unlike the other religious people who were closed and who were trying to trap him in his words, as we read uh, earlier. So he is somewhat uh, different. He's more willing to listen to Christ and to learn uh, from him. And that's why the Lord, at the end, he said, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Well, friends, my first point is, is just very simply this. You may be like this scribe in some way. Outwardly, you have many questions you may be asking questions like for example why does god allow war why does god permit so much trouble in the world if he is god and he's a god of love why doesn't he intervene to do something to get rid of all the evil why do people have to die why people will, uh, why it's god's fault why doesn't he do something to stop it well, these questions may not, they may not be your Your own questions, they may not have originated from your own mind, from your own thinking. It may be things you've heard from others. Others have put these things in your mind. And so you're coming out, when you meet with Christians, you come out with these questions. Why does God allow this and that to happen? But inside maybe, maybe, hopefully, friends, you are one who is still open to God and haven't closed the door of your heart completely. Maybe inside, even though outwardly you seem to be opposed, maybe inwardly you're still hoping that and thinking, this, that there is something in this. Let me listen. Let me learn. Let me find the way of truth. And if you are open, if your mind is open, that's good. That's wonderful. God can work with you. God can teach you wonderful things. God can bring you to know the truth. But look at this, the answer to this question. Which is the first commandment, this man said? Which is the great uh, commandment? Which is the most important commandment in life? And Christ said, there is uh, one God. And <coughs> uh, here, there is, this is the first of all the commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy mind and so on, all thy soul and strength. This is the first thing, the first requirement God has from you. Love God? Love God is the first thing that he requires from me? That's startling, isn't it, friends? I thought God Christ would say something like, do this or do that. Uh, then, uh, or, you know, maybe uh, pray five times a day. That's what God requires from you. Or maybe don't do those, sin- those sinful things. That's God's first requirement. Do, the, uh, do this, do that. This is in my mind uh, how maybe I react when I think about what God requires from me. I've always thought that I, shouldn't, I should do this and I should do that. But you're telling me that my first task, my primary task in life to love God? I can't get it. I don't get it. Oh, you, you're telling me that this will please him more than what all the things that I do? But I've always thought I must be doing something in order to please him. I always thought I must be something in order to please him. But friends, this is what God expects from us, that we love him, that we have an affection for him, that we love Him in a sincere way. This is what He looks for from you and from me. Love for Him. What's the use of trying to do all the commandments if I don't love Him in the first place? Well, friends, this is the first commandment, uh, to love God. And the second also is is important. The second is, uh, in verse 31, to love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, they're both important. The first one is more important, but the second one is also important. But the second commandment, to love others, comes out of the first. When we begin to really love God, then we really begin to love others as we ought. We love others in a different way. When we first love God and our hearts are filled with love for God... Then we begin to love our wives and our husbands in a different way. We begin to love our children in a different way. We love our friends in a different way. We love strangers in a different way. We begin to treat others in a different way when we first know the love of God. But friends, here's my point. Today, many people have dropped this first commandment. Many people only focus on the second commandment. For many people, this is, their, this is the great commandment, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Oh, I've come across so many people who've told me, you know, no longer go to church maybe, but this is the one thing that they do. This is, this is their religion, do unto others as they do unto you. This is the one commandment they say that they live by. This is their philosophy for life. Well, that's a very noble thing. That's a wonderful thing if if you've got that in mind. But the thing is, these people have dropped the first commandment, the greatest commandment, has been dropped from their lives. And they're only focusing on the one. It's not that they've inverted the order and put love your neighbor first and love God second. They've dropped the first commandment altogether. And they're only focusing on Loving other people. And there's no love for God. God is not in their thinking. uh, uh, They've evicted uh, God from their lives. They're trying to keep God at a distance, to keep Him out of their lives, out of their their, their affections. And so they have no love uh, for Him. My love, my affection is going to go, is going to be lavished on my loved ones. My love is going to be directed towards my friends. My love is going to be directed maybe towards some other people outside my immediate family circle, but nothing for God, nothing for Him. No love, no affection for Him. Oh, friends, we love so many things. We love our food. We love our work. We love our pleasures, maybe. Some people love money exceedingly and thinking about it, dreaming about it. Some people love their cars. Some people are crazy about, affectionate for their football teams. All sorts of things. We heap, we heap tons of love on our cats and our dogs. But no love for God. Nothing for God. Anything, anything else but God. We direct our love to all these other things, but not for our Creator who made us and gave us that capacity even to love. Friends, is that right? Is it right that we have no love for him? I think also of love. Where does it come from? Where does this ability of love to love come from? It's such a natural thing, isn't it, for us? You don't have to tell somebody to love. It's instinctive. Everybody can do it. Everybody wants to be loved. Everyone wants to feel love. And everyone wants, uh, is able uh, to give love. It's something that comes very naturally to us. Different kinds of love there are, isn't it? It's romantic love. there's filial love. That's family love. The love of friends. Oh, in so many ways, we are able to express different kinds uh, of love. We have such a capacity uh, to love, a, limit, uh, a limited capacity, but some capacity. This ability to love is a God-given gift. It's something that God has given to us. God is love. And when he formed man and he formed woman, he gave them that ability to love. He endowed them with this capacity and, uh, to love other people and to love him. Evolution. Well, where does, what does evolution have to say about love? Evolution, well, it will tell you that love has evolved. Love has developed over millions and millions of years. They will tell you, well, that the origin of love can be found in the fossils. Really? They trace it back uh, even to a kind of, of mammal from uh, Arizona, uh, which is supposed to, uh, well, one of, this is one of the explanations, a kind of mammal from Arizona which is supposed to show a mother uh, who died protecting her 38 uh, tiny babies. Well... They say well, that, that's a sign of love. That's maternal love, uh, an example of maternal love. And from there it developed into all the other kinds of love. Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that when the first man Adam and he saw Eve, it was a wow moment to him. He was, he was, he was smitten immediately when he saw his wife, Eve. He was love at first sight he already had the capacity to love it was already in him he was uh, as part of his creation god was to be his first love and then he was also to direct his love and affection uh, towards others but the sad fact is friends that we today we don't love our creator we don't use what he has given to us. We keep it for ourselves. We hoard it for ourselves. And as I've said, we, we expend it on other things, but none for him. How far we have fallen from our create, our first uh, creation, from the, from the first and original Adam as he was. How bad our hearts have become. that We have nothing in it for our God who loves us. Things have become so bad that now... Now our hearts have have become so bad that now I cannot love God naturally. And it tells us, friends, that there is a a great need in our hearts for conversion. I need a new heart. If I'm ever to love God in the right way, I cannot work it up. I cannot of my own efforts try and bring this about. God must first change me. God must first give me a new heart. God must uh, convert me. It's only when I'm remade by the Spirit of God, then again I'm able to love Him uh, in the right way. So why should I love God? Let's come uh, to this. Well, firstly, because it is our duty. The Lord our God is one Lord. There is only one Lord, and it's our duty, as those who have been created by Him, to obey Him and to love Him, to do what is right in His sight but also because he is deserving of our love. And let me just spend a few minutes here talking about why we should love him, why he deserves to be loved. Think, dear friends, think of God. Think of his characteristics. There is so much to admire about the Lord. Let me just mention a few in the brief time we have. He is self-existent. Oh, friends, he depends on no one uh, for his existence. He is the eternal God. He has never, ever depended on anyone else. He depends on nothing outside of himself. We need, we are dependent uh, creatures. We depend on God to give us our every breath, every breath that we breathe. But for God, uh, he, is, he doesn't need any outside help he is not dependent on resources outside of himself. He is able to and does exist entirely by his own power, by his own uh, uh, self-existent ability. But then also think how he is all-knowing. Oh, he knows all that there is uh, to know. We are ever learning, ever needing to learn. But the Lord knows all about science he knows all, of, all about maths and geography and all those other subjects. There are no conundrums with God. There are no gaps in His learning. There are no unknowns to God. He knows everything. Everything that all the knowledge that there is about everything. God knows those things. He knows all about us and all about every single person in the world. He has all that knowledge in front of Him at this very every moment in time. Oh, friends, what a great God that is. What a wonderful uh, attribute He has. Shouldn't we admire Him? Shouldn't we love Him for these things? Think of His power. He is all-powerful, and there is nothing that this God cannot do. Now, you know, as I'm sure sure you know, that usually when, when power comes into men's hands, many of us, we cannot handle power. Many of us, we, we, we use that power in a wrong way. And we use that power maybe for our own selfish gains or to help our people, our friends uh, who, who need help. Or maybe we will use that power to, uh, to, uh, to harm other people. This is so common. We read about it uh, in the news all the time, how people misuse uh, uh, power when it's given to them. But not God. God has all power in His hands and He always wields that power for good and in a righteous way. He, even when He sends judgments on the earth, it's because they are deserved, they are righteous judgments. But He uses His power, friends, to restrain evil. Oh, you complain, this world is terrible. This world is so bad. It's so evil. Uh, I wish God would do something about it. My friends, Yes, it is bad. It is evil. It is terrible in, in so many ways. But God is working. God is restraining uh, evil in so many things. God is using His power to prevent it. If God didn't use do that, we wouldn't be able to live in this world. This, this world would be an ter- even worse place to live than it is now. Oh, how we should love Him for that. Because He... Uh, Prevents so much evil from taking place, and then again, he uses this his power to keep the world in order. He sets up kings and governments. In all countries, we know uh, have a government of some sort. Not all of them are good. Some are dictators, and some of them have military regimes. But even those very not-so-good uh, not so, not so good governments, even they have a measure of order in, in their societies. Even they try and do some good uh, to uh, their countries. And that order, friends, is so vital, isn't it, for us, so that we can live and we can get a job and we can work and we can have our own home and we can go about our daily life in an orderly way. This is not to be taken for granted. But this is who's doing, man's doing, government's doing, No, friends, God is behind these things. God uses his power to set in place those governments. He is the one who establishes these minor powers to rule so that we can enjoy a measure of peace in our own lives. Oh, how we owe it to God, friends. Otherwise, this world would be a chaotic place to live in. Shouldn't we love him for that? Because he is doing these things for us but even uh, even uh, especially uh, let us think about how uh, his goodness and his love is directed towards towards us in particular how it reaches us as individuals you know that we have provoked him by our sins by our rebellion against him by our neglect of him and he has the right and he has the power in his hands Uh, to cut us off, to punish us for such behavior. And he can do it instantly, in a moment. He can uh, can cut us off. But he doesn't. He doesn't do that. Our sins deserve that. But God doesn't do that. God's justice says, cut him down. Punish him. He deserves it. He's not fit to live. And God's patience, God's long-suffering says, Give him time. Give him space to repent. Perhaps this year, perhaps this month, perhaps today he will realize the wrong that he has done against you and he will repent. Perhaps today he will cry to you for forgiveness. Give him space. Give him time to repent. Spare him the punishment for now. Delay the punishment. And God does that, friends. Oh, friends, long, long ago, I ought to have been cut down for my sins. Even now, I ought to be in hell because of my sins, but because of God's love, because of God's loving patience and long patience with me. I stand here still today. How can I not love Him? How can I not love Him who has spared me from such an, an end? Isn't it the same for us all? Think of how good God has been to us. Surely this will stir our cold hearts when we think of it. But where shall we start with God's goodness? Where can we begin and where can we end with His goodness? We could think about all the good things that He loads our lives with. We have food. We have. Sl- we are able to sleep uh, through the night. We have clothing uh, uh, on our backs. We have a home, a place that we can call at least home, even if it's not maybe the best that we desire. We have somewhere to rest our heads. We have family. We have friends. These are things that come from God. We have the skills and the abilities uh, to work, strength to do our work, mind to think and to reason to do sums, to diagnose, to build, to communicate. such a plethora of things that individuals, one individual person can do. And these things have been given to us by the Lord. God has given them to us. Oh, I, I thought it was me. I, it's, it's me. It's, it's because I, I'm a hard worker. It's because I'm intelligent. It's because I'm, I'm this and that. No, friends. These are gifts God has given to you. And you've just used them and developed them, uh, 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 but the initial gift comes from Him. God has given uh, them to you. Give Him the glory. Don't steal the glory for yourselves. Give thanks uh, to God, friends. It's rather like, uh, uh, rather like uh, like this. Imagine that uh, you're a tenant uh, in a and you're in a fully furnished house. And the house, well, it's all, everything that you need is provided for by the landlord. Everything is there. There's nothing that you want. Everything, you have all, all the mock cons in the house. You have a lovely, comfortable bed. And then uh, this landlord, he, takes, he, he, does, uh, he provides everything. All the furniture is provided for you. Nothing belongs to you. Everything, of course, has been lent to you. And uh, you can enjoy this property. And that's how we are in life. We are just tenants of all that God has given us. Everything that we have and everything that we enjoy in life is something that God has given us. God is the landlord. We are just holding these things. We are just tenants. And every day this great landlord, this kind landlord, well, he sends us, as it were, to our door all the food parcels that we need. We are well provided for and all... Uh, he desires from us in return is that we love him That we love him we owe him everything friends how good he is to us even though we're so unthankful and we're so neglectful and we forget him and don't think about him still he extends his goodness and his kindness towards us it should lead us to repentance but oh friends the best of all want to see the best of all where God's love is, look to the cross. Look to him sending Christ, his begotten son, his favorite son, his best son, his dearly beloved son. He sent him into this world. God gave up his son for, for sinners. This is the very best thing he could do. He didn't spare him all that suffering that he went through. He permitted him to go through all that God sent him to die, to suffer and to die in agony so that I wouldn't have to suffer and die in agony in hell, so that I wouldn't have to die eternally in hell. God sent his Son to take the place of all those who will trust in him. God sent him to the cross. The greatest demonstration of of love, look to the cross and see the Son of God dying for those who do not deserve anything, taking the punishment of the sins of all who will trust in him upon himself. What a weight of punishment. Think of the millions and millions of people who have trusted in Christ. And he bore their punishment for them as only he could do. How good is the Lord. How kind, how merciful is he. Oh, friends, words are so inadequate for me to convey to you his goodness and his kindness. But look to the Savior. This is is the way that God requires us uh, to come to him and to come with love. But I do not have time. My time uh, really uh, has run out. But can you see, friends? Can you think about these things when you have time? Think of God's love. Love begets love. I love God because He first loved me. It's a call to respond uh, to uh, His love. This is my first uh, duty in life. To love Him with all my heart, that is sincerely. To love Him with all my soul, that is feelingfully. To love Him with the mind intelligently, not in a blind way, in a blind love, but thoughtfully. To love him with my strength, that is, intensely. But, oh, we cannot do it by our own. We don't have the ability to do it. We must come before God and first ask him, Lord, change my heart. Lord, forgive me for all my sins. This is the way to begin. I repent of my sins. I trust in Christ. I thank thee for such love that you have shown uh, towards me. I don't deserve thy blessing, I don't deserve thy goodness, but Lord have mercy upon me I trust in the Saviour and I yield myself to to you, come Lord and give me a new heart, and only then friends will you be able to love him in the way that you ought, and to love others in the way that you ought, this is a a joy this is a, a wonderful thing that we're able to love God with all our heart and with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength. This, friends, is the first commandment. Let's pray together. Our great God and Heavenly Father, oh, how we thank thee for thy great goodness towards us and those. wonderful uh, things that we receive from thee that confirm to us and prove to us again and again that thou art good and kind and merciful. And Lord, draw our hearts unto thyself. Grant that each one of us here may be those who are lovers of thee more than anything else. Bless us in this way, we pray. We ask in our Saviour's name. Amen. Let's close our thinking this evening by singing our final hymn, number 415. Thou great mysterious God unknown, whose love has gently led me on. 415.